Valley from the house there, and I, I just begin to thank God just for allowing me to be, have a place to live, you know, uh, the little piece of ground that I'm the caretaker of. You know, a lot of times we like to say, I own this and I own that, but really we're just a caretaker, and, you know, some night, Someday old brother Samson will be gone and that'll just slip right on over to somebody else and they'll think they own it until God pulls them off the scene and uh, somebody else will step in and start picking up the trash and spraying the thistles and cutting up the wood and just keeping everything just a caretaker. And, uh, you know, so it's um, a lot of times we just take a lot of things for granted. But I'm just, I'm thankful I am so thankful today for the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes we take that for granted, that he offered himself a supreme sacrifice for our sin and uh, offered us a way to escape sin and death and uh, have the gift of eternal life, everlasting, forever and ever. And, uh, and they said, well, man, Brother Samson, you're talking about a utopia uh, a paradise, and uh, that's what it's going to be someday. Hallelujah. And uh, that's what I'm just going to talk a little bit about today, paradise. And uh, <clears throat> the day and age that we're living in, uh, we have a lot of comforts. We have a lot of accommodations. And, uh, man, I'm able to drive vehicles. They have vehicles that even drive their self now if you're brave enough to climb in one. Uh, I don't know, maybe Brother Marks told me a few years ago, he said, Brother Samson, you're a control freak. And uh, we was talking about putting a hardwood floor in my home and uh, Brother Mitchell and them there. And I, I don't know, I just felt like it'd go faster if I got in there and helped. And that's what started one of my knee problems. So my hat's off to carpet layers and tile people uh, after that little experience and got my knee all fouled up. And uh, he said, Brother Samson, why didn't you hire somebody to do that? And I kind of started laughing. I said, well, Brother Marks, I did. But I just felt like it'd go faster if I got in there. He said, you're just a control freak. Hallelujah. So I guess that's the way it is when it comes to these cars that drive themselves. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I was pulling out the other day, and there was a rather small, small guy in a semi-truck. In fact, I couldn't even hardly see him when he went by. And I, I told my wife, I said, man, it looked like that thing was driving itself. And just the thought of a semi-load of uh, product coming down the road with nobody behind the wheel. And it just makes me want to get control of that thing and make sure everything is going all right. So I don't know if I'm completely ready for all of this automation that they say is coming down the pike and artificial intelligence. I, I read a lot of scary things about that. And, uh, you know, some even say the bringing about of the mark of the beast and all of that. But uh, I'm not going to get into all of that. But I just, uh, I'm not the smartest man in the world. But I, you know, I, I do like having control of myself, you know. And uh, having this word of God to help control me and give me guidance. Where would we be without the word of God? 
Where would we be without the law of God? Man, I'm telling you something, Brother Tony. We've all tried living by our own law. And uh, the one writer told Job, he said, why do you allow your heart to lead you astray? You followed your heart, and it's, and it's got you in trouble. It was a false accusation, but I am smart enough to know that this heart will lead you astray. And Sister Sampson was talking about the other day about a renowned evangelist that just recently uh, passed away, and I wasn't aware of him. I knew some of the ones that he, he ran with and worked with, and, uh, you know, she was talking, reading about him, and, uh, man, he got off into a doctrine that was just, it really didn't make any sense. And, and from where he came from to where he ended up at, it would just cause you to shake your head and wonder, how did he get in such a mess, knowing the truth, preaching the truth, knowing the truth, and then to wind up and just to feel like everybody's saved, you're going to heaven regardless of what you've done, and there's uh, not really a heaven or hell. You just, when you die, you just enter into this uh, utopia, and uh, that that's the way it ends. And I thought, well, man, if that's the case, we just... We're wasting our time. Let's just follow our heart. We're going to be saved regardless. Uh, but I, I don't really find that in the word of God and the laws of God. I, I don't find that. And uh, I find that there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. And uh, we find these specific orders and rules to live by from the beginning of time. I mean, just we get into the second chapter of Genesis and that's where I'm heading this morning. Genesis chapter two, probably starting at verse 15. And uh, we see in this chapter, we see God laying out some specific laws, rules, orders to live by. And uh, I made mention last week, this word of God, it's, it's our rule book to live by. We're going to live by it, we're going to die by it, and then we're going to be judged by it. I'm telling you, you can't get around this word of God. This, this, is, this is the rule. This is, this, is, this, is, this is what we go by. This is what we live by. And I'm telling you today, if everybody would go back and apply their life, their living, their lifestyle, their uh, dress, their actions, everything according to this book, man, what, what kind of a world would we have today? Just the Ten Commandments. Forget all the other laws that's in effect uh, trying to enforce the, uh, just the Ten Commandments if we would live by that. Oh, what kind of a world would we have today? We wouldn't have this murdering. We wouldn't have all this violence. And, uh, you know, they, they're so, today, so quick to take the word of God out of the school, out of our democracy, uh, out of everything, just to take the word of God away. It's too old-fashioned. Man, what's old-fashioned about thou shall not kill and thou shall not steal and love your neighbor as yourself and... You know, act holy, dress holy, look holy. Uh, man, what, what more could we ask for? What better, what, how could we improve on that today? 
But instead, as I read last week about the Word of God, how they've took it out of our schools, our children are no longer taught the ways of God and the rules of God and the violence that we've got, the teen suicide that we got, premarital sex at an all-time high, teenage suicide at an all-time high, and just violence on every hand. They want to take all of these... uh, things out of uh, out of our lives but then they're so forceful to have it on on social media and internet and accessible every type of violence that you can imagine in your mind if your mind is regardless of how vulgar and filthy that it is if you have the intellect to how to type it in it can bring it up and it will feed that ego that you want to feed off of it's out there if you can spell it If you can describe it, uh, there is a demonstration on websites that you can find that. And even into the darker uh, uh, regions, if you know how to go above and beyond that, you can just keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper into all of this kind of stuff that's so readily available to humanity today. And then they take the word of God and the laws of God away from us, and then they wonder why our, our society Society is in the shape that it's in today. And oh God, if we could just some way go back to that paradise, that uh, utopia, that perfect place. And uh, uh, but God was given to give us uh, that uh, ability to make decisions on our own. We're free moral agents. He wants us to choose to live for Him. He's not a gentleman. Hallelujah. The devil will do everything that he can to deceive you and to pull you aside. But he can't force you to do it. If you do it, you do it willingly. We'll get into a little bit of that. I'm going to read a few scriptures here and then I'll allow you uh, to be seated. Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to start at the 15th verse. I would have liked to have dealt chapter in its entirety, but due to the time uh, frame this morning, I won't be able to do that. And uh, man, speaking about time frame, it just made me mindful of tonight's service, but how many's looking forward to the Bible quizzing demonstration after church tonight? Uh, Man, I hope when we come down to that part tonight, y'all don't jump up and run out of here and avoid the very thing and not support the very thing that we base our faith and foundation on, our religion on, and try to put in our children's heart. And then we jump up and run out of the building and we just prove to them that's not as important as we're trying to tell them that it is. I'm telling you something. I appreciate Brother and Sister Plappert, every bit of effort that they put into this. Hallelujah. I appreciate every child that took the initiative and made the sacrifice to get involved with this. Man, I'm telling you, I I was a little surprised at some of the children that didn't get involved in this and I'm even more amazed at some of you parents that didn't tell your child you're going to get involved in this. You're going to do this. I want to tell you something. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. And these children that's doing it, and I, 
I got a grandson that would a whole lot rather be in the woods hunting or fishing, uh, skinning a buck or sitting in a tree stand than he would being on this uh, Bible quizzing team. And, uh, but I want to tell you something. I see something in his life. I see a calling, and it's Brother Kobe, and I see a calling on his life uh, that this Bible quizzing, someday he's going to look back. He's going to be 40, 50, 60 years old, Brother Caleb, when he looks back, but he's going to say, man, I thank God that my dad made me get involved in that. And I just, I just wish that some of you parent would get on board with it. Yeah, it's time consuming. Yes, it is. It's a burden. Yes, it is. But I want to tell you something. What else is going to save them? Getting the law of God and the word of God in their heart. Man, I got to go. G Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord took the man. Everybody said took the man. And put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it, and to keep it. That was his place. This morning when I looked over my property, God, I'll thank you for allowing me to have this place to be the caretaker of this piece of property. I like it looking pristine. If it wasn't for cattle, I'd have it mowed like a park. I just like it looking good. Everything, I like it nice. I, I do have a few eyesores around uh, my go-to and breakdowns and uh, scrap piles that I go to uh, to get things and repair. And uh, I do have a few of those, but I try to keep them as compact as possible. I just try to be a good steward uh, of what God's allowed me to have. And this is what he's saying about Adam. He put him there to dress it and to keep it. He was in control of this. And the Lord commanded the man saying, of every tree in the garden you can freely eat. Man, just look at how God is putting this. You can be seated. I appreciate your standing for the word of God. And he said, of every tree, Adam, man, you have, you have freedom to partake of every tree you can freely eat. Just one little stipulation just one. He didn't have all the audiences. Bless God, you're going to drive 55 and you're going to drive 45 and in this area you're going to drive 25 and uh, you're not going to just go in the grocery store and take whatever suits your fancy and walk out without paying. He didn't have none of those rules, none of that to live by. Man, you talking about paradise starting out good, it was starting out. He said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shall not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, you're going to die. Hallelujah. How many knows what the end result of sin is? Sin, when it's finished, it brings forth death. That's the law of sin. Did he die immediately? No. But he kicked it into action that when sin is finished, it brings forth death. That's the curse of us today, our end result today. We get about, I think, what is it, 75 years that we're promised in the word of God. Some of us here today are beyond that. Some of us are looking it in the face here pretty, pretty quick. All of that I took into acknowledgement this morning. You know, if I'm at 68, 
six or seven years more for Brother Sampson if, I, if I'm not blessed with longevity. Hallelujah. That's why I respect my parents. That's why I've always honored my mom and my dad that my days can be long upon the earth. It's not a utopia, but it's a comfortable place, and I love living here. And, man, I went by Brother Sam this morning. I said, how are the grandkids coming along? Had two born in one day. And uh, uh, you said, man, they're coming along. And it's I watched Brother Cliff over here, Wood, and he's holding them grandbabies. And, man, we got something to live for. We got something. To, and the longer that I can live and enjoy these grandchildren, that's what I, I'm looking for. But it's going to come to an end, sadly, because that is the results of sin. That is the results of a decision to transgress uh, just one time. Hallelujah. The, the spoken word of God. Hallelujah. That's why I look around today and I see people transgressing uh, not just one law in the word of God but a continual daily transgression of every law in the word of God and I wonder oh how much longer uh, uh, can it go on how much longer is God going to allow this to happen uh, and the Lord said it is not good that man should be alone and I will make a help meet for him a lot of times we want what we want and we want it now. So I read a t-shirt one day that had uh, the inscription spoilt brat across the top. It said, I want what I want and I want it when I want it. Hallelujah. We don't want to wait for nothing. If anything is just more discouraging to me today uh, in the parts department and needing uh, parts and materials, building materials, uh, whatever. It seems since uh, 2023, every time you go for something, uh, we don't have that in stock. And uh, uh, a lot of times, fortunately, we can have have it here by noon uh, or it'll be here by three o'clock or it'll be here uh, first thing in the morning and uh, uh, just when I've got a piece of equipment in the shop and it's down I want it right now I don't want to wait it's in my mind it's fresh I know how I took it apart I know how it needs to go back together uh, but so many times from seven to ten days you're forced to wait so you got this tore down this tore down working on this and parts coming in just slow Slowly uh, dwindling in and you're getting it done. So I know what it is uh, when they say, no, it's not available or just wait. And the wait, it just seems like it's the hardest for us to take. But God sees that Adam needs a companion in this paradise that he's living in. Everything's going his way. He's in control of everything. And the Lord doesn't immediately give him what he knows that he needs. Sometimes that's God's way of working on us. Sometimes that's just God's way of just slowing us down and teaching us uh, some patience. And he said, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and he brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, 
That was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to all the fowls of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a help meet for him. Uh, Adam is naming the, the animals and he's naming uh, uh, everything that God brought before him. Whatever Adam called it, that's what it was. But I am sure that Adam began to realize during this course uh, of naming all this cattle and the animals, the beast of the field, uh, uh, that he did notice uh, there's two of them. There's a mate to them. They're, uh, they're going to be able to reproduce. They're going to be able to multiply. Uh, uh, and no doubt he's sitting there thinking, uh, you know, I need one of these so-called mates. I need one of these uh, uh, so-called partners. And uh, uh, maybe God just let him realize through naming all of this uh, that there's something missing uh, in his life. And uh, something missing, uh, uh, there's some camaraderie that he needs. It's more than just a fishing buddy or a hunting buddy. There, uh, there's something uh, uh, that's divinely instituted in a man, Brother Codrick, uh, uh, that makes him realize, hey, uh, I need more than just myself. I need more. Man, I'm living in a great place, but man, this loneliness you can talk to people that's alone and it uh, I'm telling you that's lost a spouse and uh, uh, sometimes it's overwhelming to be left alone and to dwell alone and uh, uh, it's just a whole different topic to deal with but uh, the Lord seen this, Adam realizes this and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of those ribs and he closed up the flesh instead thereof and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Man, we're fixing to have the first marriage ceremony that ever happened uh, in the course of nature itself and mankind. It's fixing to take place and it's fixing to take place uh, in a utopia. Man, when uh, uh, I guess this is where uh, this instinct comes from the woman. It seems like uh, uh, this married marital bliss, it's just uh, uh, it's got to be something that creates a uh, a lasting memory and uh, uh, it's, it's got to be just like this we've got to have uh, uh, the columns and we've got to have all the greenery we got to have uh, all of this stuff and it just uh, uh, it leaves a lasting impression uh, uh, in the woman a lot of times the man don't think 30 minutes uh, about it after it's over but it's the woman thing uh, uh, this, this, this marital thing uh, uh, I guess going back to this utopia this uh, uh, marriage, this paradise, uh, uh, this wonderland that we try to create uh, during marriage ceremonies. It's too bad that some of them don't last for 50 years uh, and 60 years like we see a lot of them lasting. It's too bad that that bliss uh, didn't carry over that utopia, that paradise, uh, uh, that wonderland. It, it, it didn't, sometimes doesn't go much farther than the altar 
altar, hallelujah, and then people begin uh, uh, to realize either the woman, she's wanting to climb the ladder, uh, make all the decisions, or the one, or the man, uh, uh, he's wanting to be belligerent and uh, uh, egotistical and rule over here with her with the rod uh, of iron, and that, that gentleman he, that he was on every date, and uh, uh, those fancy places that he liked to take her to dine uh, to impress her, all of a sudden that's all over. All of a sudden uh, he's demanding her over the stove, uh, uh, over that washer, that dryer, that ironing board, uh, uh, and it takes away a little bit of that bliss, and it seems like that wonderland, it doesn't last very long. And uh, uh, Matthew Henry, I, I read this this morning, allow me to read this uh, quote out of, a, out of a Matthew Henry commentator, and I know a lot of people think uh, that he's uh, dated as far as commentary is concerned, but I like what he had to say about the marriage. And it said, Matthew Henry quaintly says that the woman was taken from Adam's side, not from his head to rule over him, not from his feet to be tread on by him, but from his side to be equal with him, from under his arm, arm to be protected, from close to his heart to be loved. I thought that was very well stated. And if we would keep that understanding from the time, uh, you know, my wife, uh, She's superior to me in book learning. She is superior to me in bookkeeping and uh, uh, taxes and all of these things. I, I don't get all stressed out during taxes. Uh, uh, I let my wife, because she gets all stressed out. She gets stressed out enough for both of us during tax time. And uh, uh, But she's good at that and, and, and the bookkeeping and those things and uh, uh, keeping of the home. Sometimes uh, uh, I jump in try to help. He said, well, could you prove that this morning, Brother Sampson? Yeah, I can prove that this morning. After two weeks, uh, uh, it's, it's kind of closed up a little bit. But just I found out just making salad in the kitchen can put you in the emergency room getting cauterized and blood vessels uh, sealed over. So, uh, you know, that's not the easiest place in the world to work uh, either or the safest. And uh, I was helping the boys uh, uh, Tuesday. We had shop and uh, we Put a, got to put a washer on a specific area, uh, putting an item together in shop class, and they pulled the head of the bolt through, and then we couldn't get it back out, so... I had one holding a big shop hammer behind it and uh, another one, Brother Michael, was trying to line it up with a screwdriver and I had a ball-peen hammer and I was going to give it the lick that would uh, drive it back out of there. And uh, uh, I hit it about the third lick. I got harder with each lick as I got confident on my area of impact, but I'm kind of like lightning. I don't strike the same place twice. And all of a sudden, it felt like wax flying out my ears, blood pressure shooting to the moon, and I look down, there's blood squirting everywhere, and I look at that finger, and I have pulverized the whole end. This is the little finger that you probably noticed that had the black on it when I was teaching. Man, I just got a brand new fingernail grew back there, and I pulverized it. 
Oh, pain and sorrow. It wasn't a utopia. I realized quick, I'm not living in paradise. I'm, this is reality. This is pain. And just, uh, I get in a lot of trouble on the farm, you know, and uh, different things happening. And a lot of things I don't even uh, talk about. But it just stuff happens. And I, I'm brought back to reality. I'm not Adam. It's not Eve. Uh, and it's not paradise. There's uh, uh, some laws of physics. There's laws of Average. There's uh, Confucius' laws and uh, uh, Murphy's laws. You say, if, you know, if uh, uh, just things go wrong, and so it brings us back uh, to reality. But here's Adam in his wedding, wedding bliss, and he's looking at the woman that God created for him, uh, and he looked at her, and she said, "She is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman." because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father, his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, uh, and they shall be one flesh. You think, well, I'll give my daughter this, and I'll buy her this, and uh, uh, she'll be so happy, and uh, uh, she'll want to dwell with dad uh, forever. And uh, I, my, my daughter, I didn't want her uh, out in the workforce at that young age, so uh, I kept her close to the house. I bought her a car. I made my boys work for what they their cars and their vehicles, but I bought Sister Kira cars. She had a bed, custom bedroom. She had her own bath and she had her own vanity. She had her own dresser and, uh, uh, you know, she had her own big walk-in closet. Everything that a girl could want and just decorated, uh, uh, you know, to her desire and uh, the things that she wanted. And uh, uh, you would think that she would have been content uh, to live with that and groceries and uh, uh, just, a, just a good old time. But one day there was an old slick that pulled up in an old blazer sitting about that high up off the ground. Had a lab in there with him and not a whole lot else to offer. You know what she done? Dad, Mom, I love you, but I'm out of here. Went and moved in an old house up on the hill over there, grinning and smiling every time you looked at her, and I thought, how could she be so happy? She forsook Mom and Dad. She forsook everything they could give her. Stacked another big Alice in Wonderland looking marriage deal and dining hall and all of that. Left mom and dad with the tab and said, we'll see you later. Moved off. That's what it talked about here. They're going to leave his father. You're going to leave his mother. And they shall cleave unto his wife. And they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife. And they were not ashamed. A utopia, and it talks about, you know, had every beautiful thing that you could desire. It was just 
I feel like maybe uh, Thomas Kincaid or one of these more famous artists, Brother Ryan, that, and I, I don't even have the intellect to explain and make a word picture of how beautiful this garden probably was. You just have to look at some of the most impressive paintings that you see out there, and I think every artist has dedicated some time to probably to a drawing of paradise and a, a utopia and whatever their mind could imagine, and I feel like that it even went beyond the imagination of the world's greatest artist of today. I felt like it went beyond that. It was beautiful, magnificent, and tranquility and peace. And man, Adam, just the ability to walk up to the edge of that garden and seeing those four rivers that flowed out. And uh, you can go back and read the description of those rivers and uh, uh, the Euphrates and the different ones and what they accomplished after even they left Eden, the things that and the places uh, that they went. And Adam, this just this ability. And uh, uh, a lot of times, or not a lot of times, but uh, occasionally uh, I go to Colorado with the boys to hunt. And uh, I do carry a gun, uh, but I, you know really what I'm there for, just to walk around and look at the breathtaking scenes in that country when you walk up and you just feel like you're in the uh, wilderness and all alone and all of a sudden you walk out on a bluff on a mountainous eight, nine, ten thousand feet up or whatever that altitude is and you walk and you behold such beauty and so a lot of times you'll forget what you're even in the state for by just sitting there looking at this wonderland, this, the, this scenery, this beauty that's there. And it was perfect, and they lived in it. Nothing, nothing going wrong, nothing to be left to their desire. It was, just, it was just perfect. And a lot of times people say sin originated on this earth. Sin did not originate on this earth. Sin, rebellion, disobedience, all of this seed originated where? Where? Heaven, not the Garden of Eden. It was already set into place before the Garden of Eden. And we see this keeper of this paradise. And in reality, that's what each and every one of us is today. As, as a family, we need to communicate the do's and the don'ts. As a man of the house, the man needs to step up and say, we're not doing that no more. We're not going to get caught in that kind of a situation anymore. Well, that's the way God entitled it. And I know it's, it's not the way it is. Just talking about presidency the other day and uh, someone talking about uh, how Hillary Clinton, uh, Clinton is sitting in the, in the back stages getting ready to come forth and try to be, uh, you know, the first woman president uh, of the United States. They're not satisfied with just being a support at home. And uh, uh, it's not equ equality because, you know, that's the way God created her. The man is over her and the woman should subject herself to her husband and respect his authority. Now I realize there's some men out there that would be very hard to, to, to respect some of their decisions in life. 
And I feel like that's what we need to pray for is more knowledge. God, teach me how to lead the home and be a leader uh, in the home, being a bishop of this uh, local assembly. I, I pray this morning I even prayed, God, don't let me become susceptible to false doctrine. Don't let me gobble up something that's deceptive. Uh, you could sit and you could read this word of God and there, uh, it, it's so active and there's so much there, but I'm telling you something, it's almost like God said, I'll choose their delusion. They look good uh, in the public, but I, I, I got minister friends. Uh, he used to say, I do most of my studying at two, three, uh, four o'clock in the morning. That's when I do uh, my studying and I thought oh God when I see uh, where this gentleman wound up and what he's believing in today and what he is preaching today I wonder how did this gentleman ever get to where he's got to uh, uh, preaching the Godhead uh, and denying that, uh, that Jesus Christ uh, is not God Almighty and denying that and uh, I thought back of you know just setting uh, and getting uh, delusion getting a hold of his mind. Uh, the Bible talks about there is a way uh, that seems right unto a man uh, but the end is destruction. The end uh, is death. Uh, I'm telling you his utopia of his thinking uh, is going to come to an end someday uh, when that trumpet sounds and that book uh, is laid out. If you're not full of the Holy Ghost uh, you've got to have the Holy Ghost. Uh, you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. I'm telling you something that when you opens that book, if you don't, not full of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, he's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me. I'm telling you something. Don't be angry with Brother Samson today. I didn't write this book. I, You know, a lot of times people will get mad and cuss the, the mail carrier because he brought him a bill. He had nothing to do with it. He's just delivering the mail. That's all I'm doing as bishop of this assembly today. I'm just delivering to you the word of God. Unadulterated. Sometimes it's hard to take. Sometimes it's hard to choke down. How could God be so cruel? I've lived a good, clean life. I've lived a moral life. It goes beyond that. It's, it's, it's the way God set it up uh, at the beginning of his church uh, uh, in the New Testament. You got to be full of the Holy Ghost to be saved. You got to get that in your mind. You've, that needs to dwell on your mind on a daily, daily basis. Uh, if you're without the Holy Ghost, uh, it needs to be the most prominent thing, uh, the most important thing, uh, the most sought after thing in your life. It's the key. It's the wedding garment. It's what's going to make you recognized at that marriage supper of the Lamb. But this keeper, it is paradise and maybe his comfort. Maybe that's why God doesn't allow us to get so comfortable in this life. It makes us realize, hey, I, 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 I need more. I, uh, there, there's something more that I need. Because we get so comfortable, we let our guard down. 
It's not causing any harm. It's not causing harm today. But before this thing is over, it's going to magnify, multiply, and it's going to cause you a lot of trouble. Happy is the man that's not condemned in the thing which he allows. I know what it is to have to take advantage of that advocate that we have with the Father. When we sin, God will forgive us. If we sin willfully, a lot of times I pray, God, just reveal to me secret sins, things that uh, give me that conviction, Brother Samuels, that, 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 that conscience that when I'm doing something that seems harmful to this wickedness and this flesh, that God says, I'd stay away from that. Or he brings back an example of how somebody else got in the shape that they're in. And he reveals that to you. And you set up a defense. Okay, God. Whatever your problem is today. Whatever your addiction is today. This is an apostolic lighthouse church. But I've sat in my office more than one time. And dealt with confessions of pornography. I've dealt with men pleading and crying and confessing to me. Why did they confess to you? I'm not a priest. I didn't charge them for uh, confession. I, di I didn't, it wasn't none of that. The Bible said open confession is good for the soul. All right, now I don't have people just stand up and confess their faults. I've heard, been in services like that. I've seen where men made total idiots of themselves standing up telling how much they lusted and uh, uh, they had problems with women. And, and all that did was open up the uh, door for birds of a feather to start flocking together. But I think if you step in the privacy of an office with your man of God and say, look, this is working on us. This is taking us down. Because man won't forgive They'll hold that, and from every time that man testifies from now on, there'll be several in a congregation to look at him. Well, he's a thief. You know, Brother Parker got up and told about, about when he was a sinner, he had sticky fingers. Well, you know, when that's B.C., you know, before Christ, and you're, you're confessing what God delivered you from, that's one thing. He said, if things didn't start picking up, he said, I started picking up things. Thank God he got saved. He's been in my shop before. He's been in my home before. He's had my equipment before. And he was still intact and it's all still there. Thank God uh, that he did. But he confesses this. But uh, I've confessed and I've had them, please don't bring my wife into this. Please don't mention it to my wife. She'll leave me. I, I have repeatedly become a victim of this circumstance and I, I'm what delivered brother Samson will you help me pray and we fasted and we've prayed and there's people sitting in this church today and they've been delivered from the grip of pornography and fornication and adultery and uh, you know that's why we preach against those things 
God forbid when the pastor comes and you're a young person and you're smooching and kissing and gripping around on one another. I'm telling you something, you're opening the door for sin to take hold of you. That's why we preach against abstinence. That's our for abstinence. We preach against fornication. We preach against premarital sex. Why? Because I'm telling you something, fornication and adultery will rip a church. It'll destroy a congregation. It'll bring you to a piece of bread. So many times you go to deal with this situation. That's one thing I liked about my dad. I'm just gonna go slow this morning and bore you to death. But when Brother Triplett came and rained on my parade, I, I got that atomic nature in me. But there, I want to tell you something, son. I'm not dealing with them today. I'm dealing with you. And this is something we're not going to do, and this is what you're doing. I want you to get separated from that. My dad didn't speak up and start bringing everybody else into the equation. It was judgment time for old Kel, old Samson. It was his, uh, it was his time, confession time. But my dad would say, you won't be doing that no more. It didn't matter if ever Joe Blow from Kokomo was involved in it. You're done, boy, you're not doing that anymore. But a lot of times, we're not satisfied with that. and We get in trouble. We're not satisfied. We want to see this one getting his behind chewed out and this one reprimanded for stuff uh, that he's doing. And then it makes us feel, I don't know if it makes us feel justified or what it makes us feel, uh, maybe that somebody else is getting punished besides us. But if you're the one that sentence is being passed on, you just face up to it. Come home complaining about a school teacher, this and that. And he said, I want to tell you something, boy. The teacher, what I'm trying to say, was always right. The principal was always right. The pastor was always right. I don't care what they're doing, boy. We're not doing that no more. I've told about the motorcycle. I wanted a motorcycle so bad I could taste it. And... Uh, my brother-in-law, Kim, which was Brother Triplett's son, had, man, just a few months before that, bought him one of the nicest little burn orange colored. I can still see that motorcycle in my mind. I can still see that Yamaha 250 Enduro that Brother Johnny McKeon come pulling up on. You know, maybe I was an idiot and didn't know it. But Brother Triplett's... So I begged and begged. He said, we'll see what Brother Triplett says about this. Did he? No, he didn't jurisdict our life. But sometimes when there was concern there, especially about our well-being and our welfare, just run it by the pastor. And Brother Triplett looks at him, and there's Brother Johnny driving a new one. And eventually after that, he did. And uh, there's Kim on one. And I'm asking for one. I am a few years younger than Brother Kim was. But he looked at my dad. He said, Brother Dave, 
I don't feel like Kelly needs a motorcycle. I'm 68 today, and I realized that Kelly didn't need a motorcycle at that age. Oh, I could have probably went and bought one, but I wouldn't be standing here 68 years old today. And at the age that I finally did get one, I still made several bloopers that it was just the hand of God on me. But I could have, you know, and I did. Did I understand it at the time? Well, somebody could have one. I'm across the aisle. I can have one. It was just the limitations that God was putting on me, but it taught me an obedience. I, I think of a woman one time that approached Brother Triple and she said, I want to go to work at the truck stop. Brother Triplett looked at her, probably bringing into consideration all the counseling that he had had before with her over different situations. Condition of the home. There's three or four other women from the church that worked at this facility. And he said, I don't, I don't feel like you need to go to work there. Here it goes. But sister so-and-so's working there, and sister so-and-so's working there, and so-and-so's working there. I don't see nothing wrong with me going to work there. He said, I'm telling you, you don't need to go to work there. Four, five, six kids in the home, a husband at home. She goes to work there. In two weeks, Brother Winkler, in two weeks, one of them old truck drivers came in there, and it was, she was gone in the cab of the truck with him and gone, left her husband, left all of her kids at home, and headed out. I don't think I have ever seen her since. Gone. And Brother Triple said, you don't need to work there. But they are, they are, they are. He was putting up a guard for something he knew that she couldn't handle. Those women that work there, still living for God today, she goes to work there and in two weeks she runs off with a truck driver. Wouldn't listen to the man of God. So God's give orders. God's give conditions. He's give stipulations. He's give him a wife to live by. He's put him in control of paradise. Verse 3, sin has already originated in heaven. Now the serpent was more subtile. Isn't it amazing? This, this, we go right in from utopia, marital bliss. To temptation. Now the serpent was more subtile than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman... Yea, hath God not said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Such a vivid reminder before the temptation of God's stipulation, God's command. Where's Adam at? God's given this specific task. Put him in this Garden of Eden to protect and to keep it. Where is Adam at? When this temptation is allowed to 
creep in. Adam specifically knows the rules, the regulations, the do's and the don'ts. God sat down face to face with Adam. Or one time, Brother Treble said, you want you boys to stay out of that pool hall down there in Seneca? We got to slipping in there. And uh, them old timers, you didn't even have a pool table in your house in them days. And uh, he said, but I want you boys to stay out of that pool hall. Well, one of the boys that wasn't there that night, he gets him a load and he heads back. And I said, I'm not going back. I said, Brother Triplett told us not to go. Stay out of there. He said, well, he didn't tell me. And he went. And uh, he's not even alive today. But, man, went, went down a, 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 a trail, a, a road of, of sin and rebellion. After that, it was, he said, well, he didn't tell me. Well, this is what the devil is fixing to use, the tempter is fixing to use, since she didn't get that direct command. Are you getting the point now about this word of God, about these laws of God that he's written and given us to live by? I, my wife can't look at God and say, I wasn't told, I didn't know. And it's easier to discriminate what was really said to you if you wasn't there to hear it. Hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. had never experienced sin, had never experienced rebellion, had really never experienced having to make a decision because it was a time of perfect innocence. Nudity at this time, and we read it at the closing of chapter 2, did not even cause an arousement. It was that innocent. Are you getting the picture that I'm talking about? And if we can get the word of God in our heart and live by this word of God, we won't be aroused by such trivial things a lot of times that come along and take us down. But we let the devil twist things around. What really would be wrong with that? If I'm really a good, righteous, moral person, do I need the Holy Ghost? That's why when we go to Acts, that's why we're instilling the book of Acts into the children in the church they've got to realize that it is a prominent thing of our religion today of God's religion this word of God the way to be saved it's a must it's a do I don't care how you interpret the word of God or how you read the word of God you've got to be baptized Men don't dress like men. Women don't dress like men. Men, women like men, men like women. It's in the word of God. We read that. But it's this decision making. 
It's that rebellion that got a hold of us right here where we're doing. We're, we're capable of making this decision. World War I, when it first all kind of started like that, it didn't seem too bad. But today, there's no boundaries on how male or female dress. And in places, they literally just paint clothing on their body and walk down the street with just paint on their body and no clothes. And a lot of people, I guess, don't even notice it. But that's, that's where we've got to because people begin to reject the rules and regulations of this word of God. I'm just the mail carrier this morning. But Adam being given this specific task, some way he lets this creep in. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. I could just hear his old snaky, sneaky, Lemon Abner would say he's a snake in the grass, slithering up, maybe not slithering at this point because the curse is not on him, but he's just coming in. You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, let me paraphrase just a little bit, that ain't what, you didn't hear that. Now that's what your husband's saying. I'm, 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 I'm fixing to expose you to a utopia here that you've never experienced before. And how right that he was. You're not, you're not gonna die. God knows that in the day you eat thereof that your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. What difference in a utopia would you have a desire to know the difference between good and evil? What benefit would that be? It's just the desire of the flesh. You know what gets such a grip on us today in technology? It's the wisdom of knowing what's going on, what's happening. It's that desire for knowledge. We want to be smarter. Man, we just, we just want to know how things work. And it's such a convenience, but it's also becoming a curse. What do, we, why, what do we need to know beyond this word of God and, and the marital bliss of a, of a husband and wife raising children in the home and enjoying one another? But so many times you see people that cannot be satisfied. That, 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 that relationship, it doesn't bring any, any satisfaction to them. And it's all just like the woman in the garden desiring what's beyond was it John Conley who wrote the song, The Woman, uh, 
She thinks her, uh, the man down the street, think, the woman down the street, she thinks her husband is neat because they got this money and it looks like they're doing and she's all day dancing with the broom and working in the washing machine over the hot ironing and uh, uh, she begins to think about uh, uh, something better than what she's got. Regardless of the income, it happens. I know people today that are paying $18,000 a month because of a one-night stand. One night. Nice homes, best of vehicles, best of everything you could ask for. One night. One night rocked their world. And he's made, made the confession. The worst thing that I ever done in my life is he made one decision that cost him today $18,000 a month. Knowing, knowing what that could cost him if she found out. But there's always something about the intrigue of the forbidden. And he caused her to start looking. He caused her to start considering Adam where he was at in his utopia, his paradise. Paradise. Bible dictionary says pleasure and delight. Eat paradise, Eden, heaven, a place or state of bliss, felicity or delight, a utopia, a Zion. Eden is a place of pristine or abundant natural beauty. And above all of this, just let your imagination run wild into what you would consider perfect peace not having to work. You know how the people doing this mark, multi-marketing, they, they approach you and, man, they start talking about the money. In fact, the hardest decision that I have to make every day is do I want to go skiing, snowboarding, uh, hand gliding, elk hunting, so go on a safari. Those are the hardest decisions that I have to make during the day since I started selling Amway. Or New Vision or whatever. Telecom International. Man, I've, I've heard it all and I've heard it from every source. You know what? One thing I promise God. If I ever become a pastor, I will never get involved in multi-level marketing. I won't get involved in it. And if you want to do that, you have at it. But I want to tell you something. There is no free lunch. You're going to have to work yourself to death night and day. And you're going to have to promote that night and day. You're going to have to go into people's home and convince them they need it worse than you need it. And that ain't going to fly with you people because you won't give one Bible study a month. Did I just hit a stump with a plow?
old enough. I got an 11-year-old son that gives Bible studies. In fact, they were here, and one of them was up at the altar praying uh, Wednesday night when Brother Marks was here. He'd go down there and read them the Bible. He'll go down there and give them a Bible study. 11 years old. And he'll read the word of God to them. And they tried to tell him here the other day, well, we've done so much. And uh, Kobe said, we've, we've done so much that, that God's really not mindful of us. God has no use for us. We're so guilty. And Kobe jumps up. He said, Jay, don't say that. Don't say that, Don. God died for you. God loved you so much that he gave his life for you. Don't say that you're not worthy of God. What's wrong with doing that? Oh, God. But anyway, we don't, we, we, we don't have what it takes to try to convince somebody of this gospel. But Adam, I don't know where he's at in his comfort zone but he's allowed something to creep by him, something to get by him. The Bible says watch and pray. Watch with your conscience alive and vibrant while you're praying to guide you and direct you. My dad used to say, son, I pray for you every day that God would give you wisdom in the end time to lead the church. Dad's been gone going on, I think, 10 years today. But I want to tell you something. Those words ring in my ears. God, I need that wisdom. If you need wisdom, ask of God. He'll, he'll freely give it to you. You don't need it off uh, of social media. Ask of God. God, what do I do here? I'm facing a crisis uh, in my life. It don't matter if it's financial crisis, business crisis, marital crisis. The lack of the wisdom of God so many times it's what's got us into the mess that we're in. But where were we? Where, where were we at, husbands? Where were we at, wives, when this was creeping in? Well, I'm the ruler. Well, you know why the husband saved? Because of the chasteness of the wife. Her, she's got a, a, a very strict responsibility in the home. Well, dad's out working and making a living, and I've talked to men and said, man, uh, I, I talked to someone the other night. A lot of time we think these evangelists uh, uh, that, that, that fly thousands of miles every week uh, uh, and they're gone day in and day out, that it's a bliss to fly around uh, in a big jet and preach conferences uh, uh, and renowned revivals. And Brother Mark's the other night talking about where he's seen thousands and thousands uh, receive the Holy Ghost. I was in one meeting uh, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, where I saw 120, just like on the day of Pentecost, in one night, 120 Marshallese at Brother Lindsay's church come forth, and 120 of them got the Holy Ghost in one service. Oh, but we would think that that would be all bliss. But when I talked to them, I flew one time a few years ago on a cruise, hit a couple different airports, a uh, couple of them, uh, international airports. And I thought, dear God, why I, I wouldn't want to do this on a daily basis. Uh, uh, there's no bliss to this at all that I could see. But we look at that and think, man, I'd like to be flown from state to state. 
Brother Marks was talking about, I guess, California or somewhere and then uh, all the places that he's going to be uh, this whole week and then going to be in Berryville, Arkansas Monday and Tuesday night after he's been thousands of miles all over. And he told me, he said, Brother Sampson, sometimes I just want to stay home so bad, so bad. What would it be for Brother Marks to have a woman that wasn't dedicated, wasn't devoted? That's why when I come and this man's working from daylight till dark, there's been times I've come in. Brother Sam, I, my kids would be asleep when I left. They'd be asleep in bed by the time I got home. And the same thing for, for days on end a lot of times. I've sat in my truck a lot of times at work with tears running down my eyes, missing my wife, missing uh, my children. A lot of times she was, she weighed up for me, but my children were gone. And I didn't have that uh, father, that leadership uh, uh, companionship or uh, relationship that I should have. And you know who it was up to? Uh, it was up to my wife to make sure that there was discipline in that home. Uh, you can touch strut around like you're stud Dudley all you want, uh, but you're not there having that direct influence uh, on this children's life. That's why when you come up, Brother Codrick, uh, I say, uh, uh, you're the leader of the home and blah, 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 and then I switch to the woman. You gotta keep that country and western music off. You gotta keep, help keep that lust and that fad and that fashion out of your home. You gotta put the love of God in this child's heart because you have more quality time than the man has. He's providing the living. He's working by the sweat of his brow. And for those of you that both of you work, you better make sure you got a nanny that's got the love of God in their heart that can make a Moses out of your child and not a pervert. Amen. Most of all, not come home and find them baked in an oven. I read a deal several years ago where the babysitter baked the baby in a, in a pan. This is what the transgression that took place in the garden. And she said, I hope you enjoy the dinner today and uncovered the roaster with their child in it. And I've heard of them putting them in microwaves and just crazy things that people do. That's why we need chass keepers at home. I'd rather drive a 50 Chevrolet and my kids be saved is me to put them in the hands of a pervert and somebody raising them that has no biological connection to them. And I know there is, there's caregiving people in this world, but we can't be careful enough with our children. It's perfect around our house. That's what I'm dealing with now. A state of perfection and bliss that's fixing to go south. When she finally looked and began to consider, you look across and you see that hunk, or you look across and you see that beauty with that apparent million dollar body, and you let your look just linger there just a little while, there'll be a seed that will get a hold of your heart. You just keep entertaining rebellion and it'll get a hold of your heart. It'll drag you right out of the house of God.
and that it was pleasant to the eye. They say a toehold, a foothold, a stronghold, and then a total possession. That's how it gets in, creeps in. Don't even open the door to it. You can get a serpent in your home through a hole half the size of that serpent. If you can get his head in it, he's in there. The devil can never just get his foot in the door. He's got you. Oh, not me. Read this. Pleasant to the eye and a tree to be desired to make one wise. And she took of the fruit. Probably no intentions, Brother Sam, of eating. I just want to evaluate. It's one thing to hit something on your computer, but it's another thing to go back several times and review that mistake. Well, I couldn't even believe they put something like this on here. But you'll go back several times and look at it in your unbelief because you can't believe it's on there. So in your unbelief, you look at it and it's not very long. The devil's got you by the nose holes and he's leading you wherever he wants you to go. Oh, not me. We could have them stand up all over the church with addictions and things that God has delivered them from. But let's go back. If we had never considered, we had never even... Well, that is good-looking stuff right there. She took of the fruit and eventually did eat and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. And she had the very word of God in paradise with her. Thou shall not. There was something about that commandment that was burning in Adam. Now, Eve didn't hear it. She's like my good friend that said, he didn't say it to me. That still doesn't make it justifiable. It's still a law that's in effect. Maybe a cop's never told you before that you're breaking the speed limit. They just keep driving like you drive and eventually you will get one to tell you you're not going to drive like this, sir. And the eyes of them both were open. Adam knew he had the direct commandment and he let this slip in the garden to boot. And then he lets it slip in and affect his very own decision-making life. And they knew that they were naked. Now it's not that matrimonial sacredness. Now they're realizing, hey, there is an indecency about this. What have we done? Look at us. The innocence is gone now. There's guilt in paradise now. Today we're not driven out. It has to get pretty radical before we request that somebody look. It'd be better if you just went somewhere else we don't do that thank God
God says. He drives them out. And they, they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Guilt is on them, Brother DJ. I, I've told in mine and Sister Samson's earlier marriage, we've been married for almost 47 years, but we got caught into a little snare and we'd go to the home of her sister and we'd get snared into this little situation and our kids would get pulled into it. And uh, I don't know very many men that don't like Westerns, but that's what my brother-in-law and they kept on. I, I've never had a television in my home. I, 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 what I've seen in two restaurants just recently because that thing, in one, Sister Samson said, could you please shut that off? The graphics were so bad in it the other night. Uh, and El Charles, that my wife finally said, could you shut that off? We, we don't look at stuff like that. I was proud of her. It was horrible. And that was violence. But the, uh, the other restaurant we were sitting in with Brother and Sister Hid, and it was right there on the wall in our face. And the, uh, I, it, was, it was horrible that the things that was going on. And I thought, in society, how could you raise children? Do you sit and pray that they were dumb enough, that they didn't know the sex scene that they just seen was illicit, the profanity that they just seen, the drug scenes? I read an article here several years ago. The drug scenes, the fornication scenes, the, the uh, thieving, all of these, how many scenes? It was in the thousands that youth will see from the time of kindergarten if they watch television until the time that they graduate. These scenes are pushed in their face by the multiplied thousands. And we think our children can, can survive that kind of environment. We've got such a great home. We have financial security. We have comfort but someday judgment's going to come knocking at the door. Someday there's accountability that's going to come knocking at the door. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What was always a time of camaraderie with the presence of God every day in the cool of the day, a perfect environment and something that they always look forward to. Church time ought to be the most important time in our life. Prayer time ought to be the most important time. Bible study, Bible quizzing, this is what we are, this is what we believe. And we sit here and think that we can put it off and our kids will survive without the word of God. Your children will not survive without this unadulterated word of God. They won't survive. They hid themselves when God comes and starts dealing Talks about in the end time they'll cry for the rocks and the mountains because they don't want to face the look at him, the face of him that sits on the throne. 
Just hide us. We're not sorry. We don't want to repent. We just don't want to confess. But this is confessing time. Paradise is fixing to turn into a courtroom. Your comfort's fixing to be disrupted from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam. Boy, preacher's got my number. No. It's when you look and you see a, a slackness in church attendance. You see almost no, no attendance to the prayer room. Constantly late for church. It's not your chief joy. Like Brother Matherly talked about. I used to preach faithfulness to church. and They live a ways away. They're in a building program. Yeah, kind of an open confession there. This is not my norm. This morning he was in the prayer room before I was, if you're wondering about his accountability. That he was, preached a marvelous message for us last Sunday night. But I want to tell you something. When you look and you see that they're not interested in the altar call, I've been watching people night after night in this church. The bathroom is their sanctity during an altar call. I've watched it. There's trouble in their home. There's going to be marital trouble if they don't get on track. Who are you, Brother Sampson? I'm just the bishop here. I'm just calling the shots uh, that I see. But when they didn't come with that eagerness and that camaraderie desire to, to be in the, the presence of God, God knows something's wrong. Where are you at? Why aren't you as enthused as you was nine years ago when you got in church? Where's that enthusiasm? Brother Tony, it can't just be a year into it when you say, I got to have this place, Brother Samson, and I got to have it two or three times a week. I've got to have it. I don't worry about them as much as I do. It's those that miss and miss and miss uh, and plan everything else around a, a church service. They're disrupting their paradise. They're disrupting uh, uh, that relationship with God. They don't care anymore. Where are you at? Where art thou? And he said, well, I heard your voice in the garden. I hid, I heard, I was afraid. And beyond all of that, I'm naked. Why do you go to the bathroom? Because there's condemnation in your heart. Why do you not go into the prayer room? Because you don't want to come in direct contact with the presence of God because there's condemnation in your life. God picks up on this in paradise. This has taken place. Rebellion has taken place. Sin has taken place. Deception is going on in paradise. It's taken place. And now the comfort zone has become a courtroom. He said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? There's only one thing that's going to keep you from wanting to pray. There's only one thing that's going to keep you from church attendance. 
You're listening to another voice. I'll prophesy with my eyes open. If some don't get on track here, your marriage is going down the tubes. What have you done? There's only one thing that you could done and God names it. You've eaten of the forbidden fruit. You've eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat. In this whole wide world, everything that we can partake of and have and do does not satisfy this flesh. It wants something more. Extracurricular. And we bring it in to our lives. And he said, he starts the blame game. Brother Johnny McKeon has a motorcycle. Kim Triplett has a motorcycle. My dad could have said, why can't my son have one? He would have been very polite. He's just not ready, what he should have said, because he's an idiot, and he'll kill himself on it. And that was the truth. But didn't start the blame game. He said, but the man said, the woman that you gave to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Now, I don't know if you notice it or not, but judgment is going on now. Court is going on in paradise. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? All over again. And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the serpent, he deals first with the beguiler and then the beguiled. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because you have done this, you're cursed above all the cattle and above every beast of the field. And upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. I'm gonna put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. That's where the right and the wrong comes in today. That's the enmity that he put between us and the tempter. You know the difference. If you sin, you sin willfully because of this enmity that's put between us and the grace of God. You're going to bruise his head. And to the woman, he said, I'm going to multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Just in one day, we viewed two beautiful miracles at Mercy Hospital. Such beauty. A lot of times they start out, oh, we want to have a natural birth. But due to this curse right here, we're begging for the morphine, the spinal block. We're begging for any kind of relief before that this is over. Nothing like children, newborn. But I want to tell you, there's a price to pay. Kelsey's grinning and laughing this morning and holding on, but in a day or two, that, they ain't going to be grinning. She knows enough about that to enjoy the, the beauty of it while she can because there's going to be some sorrow involved before that little character gets here. Little girl, I'll just I'll nip that in the bud. I hate that woke stuff or whatever they call it. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, thou shalt, thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife 
and hast eaten of the tree. There's nothing wrong with equality, but they don't want equality. They're not satisfied till they own the company. They're not satisfied till they can say, I'm the first woman president of the United States. That's the attitude that God doesn't like. And I'm not saying there's not women out there that probably couldn't do a better job, but I know God's got a man out there that can do exactly the will of God. And that is the will of God. I don't get excited about a woman that tries to exalt herself above everybody. Not just equal. They want to be the sergeant. They want to be the general. They want to be the CEO. They want to be the president. There's something in them. There's no control in that area. But because you've eaten of the tree which I've commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, and in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. You're going to be able to eat of it, but it's not going to grow and just be there readily at your disposal. You're going to toil for it. You want a paycheck? You're going to have to work. And if you're on SSI or disability, it's because you got injured uh, on the job uh, or you worked uh, and established that SSI because you worked, you toiled, you labored. And you're going to eat the herb of the field of the sweat of thy, in the sweat of thy face. Shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken for dust, and thou art and, and, and to, and unto dust... Uh, Shalt thou return? And Adam called his wife named Eve because she was the mother of all living. And unto Adam and also in his wife did the Lord make coats of skins to clothe them. And God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand, we've held court, and now we're facing sentencing. I preached here several months ago, reaction, reaction to sentencing. What's going to be your reaction to sentencing on Judgment Day? People sit in the court with a smirk. They think their high-dollar lawyers got it sewed up. They think he's bamboozled and pulled the wool over the jury's eyes. And he's sitting there with this cocky, arrogant grin, not sorry for anything he's done. And when the jury goes out and they come back in and they put forth their sentencing, they said, the jury has found you guilty. You will be given two life-term sentences to be served concurrently without parole. And reality hits them. Like my friend, when the judge got done with him and pronounced the $18,000 a month alimony for one night's sin, probably maybe an hour at the most, pleasure, $18,000 a month is his sentencing. Life in prison without parole is sentencing. Electric chair. Now, just injection of whatever nature that they end their life and reality hits them. They pass out. 
They attack the, 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 the jury. They attack the lawyers. They, uh, they go into attack mode, survival mode. Judgment, sentence is being passed. And take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever in this sinful state. That's why we're today limited to around 75 years of age because of this sin and this judgment and it's passed on down. People in sentencing of this nature and the natural, their children suffer, their wives are humiliated and they suffer and finally they even get divorces to sever the contact uh, 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 of this kind of relationship. They don't want to be associated with it. And it's passed down to us today. The effects of judgment in paradise we still feel today. He drove out the man and he placed at the east end of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. There's just one way to the pearly gates. There's just one way you're going to make it. That's living by these rules, these regulations that God give us to live by. Think of it today. If you're driving a big fine vehicle, you're sleeping in a king size bed with the best mattress that money can buy. You're eating at steakhouses. You're eating the best money that grocery supplies have to offer. Everything at your disposal. If you see it, you want it, you can buy it. You think of this today, and all of a sudden, it's just ripped violently and mercilessly away from you. And that man that you look down the bridge of your nose on the street corner, That's all you've got. You've got no place to live. You've got no place to sleep. Nothing. You went from all the comforts that life could afford to nothing. Oh, you think those people on those streets have never had anything in their life? Some of them were prominent businessmen that the trickery of sin took them to nothing. They don't even have a place to stay. There is alcoholic, wino musicians sitting on the streets in Nashville. As good or better than we could ever hope to have on the platform of an apostolic church. But decisions in life, and we look at them and we think they're nothing, they're nobody. And in an instant... What the rich man say? I've got everything I desire. I got more than I need. I have more than I desire. What should I do? Holds this conference with himself. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build greater. And when I get those barns built and I get them stocked, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, soul, take thine ease. I have need of nothing. 
That's about as close to paradise as you could ask for. I don't need nothing. But in one night, his paradise became a courtroom. And God said, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. All of that wealth, all that prominence, all that bliss, somebody else stepped right in and owned or divided it up in one night. In one night, such great plans in paradise for something even better. And it's over. The rich man used to beg. The Lazarus used to beg the rich man. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. Wasn't rich anymore. The Bible tells us he's at a place of torment. From paradise to courtroom to judgment to reality. Oh, God. What are you talking about? I'm trying this morning to keep your paradise from becoming, becoming your courtroom. You becoming something that God uses as a judgment against you. Well, you stand to your feet today. I don't want to be like the rich man calling for that beggar, that street urchin, that man on the corner who's got the sign, anything helps. And now he's in a position, even though he was rich and wealthy, just send the beggar. Just send the wretched man's got more than I got. My paradise has become courtroom. And I'm in judgment today. Happy is the man that's not allowed. Happy is not condemned in the things which he allows. I know what that feels like. I know what it is to finish my story, to get in the car, leaving my sister-in-law's looking at my children that I failed miserably, miserably and kept them in a varmint that I knew that was psychologically having an effect on them. And I told my wife, I said, I can't do this. We can't do it anymore. Just a few months later, I'd be back in the same place after the third time and God, the mercies of God. I said, it will never happen again. I'm done. I don't like this trashy, nasty feeling of condemnation in a guilty conscience. And I had this advocate like you have this morning. If we sin, eventually this judgment's come. But today, if we sin, we got another chance at, at paradise and we're not driven out from the presence of God. What are you talking about? I'm giving you a chance this morning to make this paradise a, a reality and something that you can cling to, you can hold to. When your courtroom, paradise becomes your courtroom. Happens the man. I'll dream with open eyes when I get.